And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 227 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How's it going this week, Brian? Ah, it's been a, been a hectic week, but that's all right. Yeah? Hectic isn't always bad, it's just, yeah. It's just busy. <laughs> it is. I've got a, I've got a, basically a, a nine-month project that is, for the most part, you know, the big part of it's wrapping up this next Friday, so it's been all, all focus on that. Oh yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. Things were pretty quiet here for me this week. I did get to finally take a crack at the new hobby I have picked for myself. You showed me that, yes. I did. I sent you some pictures of this first one I've done. Uh, I took one of the original Game Boy Advances. Um, I ordered a couple of like beaten up models off of uh, eBay. And... I bought a new shell for one, and a new backlit screen for one, and a rechargeable battery, and uh, cracked the old one open, took out the motherboard, put in the screen, soldered in a couple of wires so that I can control the brightness on the screen, uh-huh. um, dropped it back in, threw in a new battery, and this thing is gorgeous. It looks beautiful. So. Yeah, it's a clear black shell. It's a little more opaque than uh, some of those original shells were that were yeah. translucent but it, it looks cool you can see the little circuit board for the rechargeable battery controller through the case it's a nice that's a nice look yeah um, but yeah and then i realized none of my game boy advance games are here they're all in a box from when i moved that <laughs> before i moved at this point a little over two years ago i threw all of them in a box and stuck them at my parents, because I didn't want to have to move more than I was going to have to, and house hunting was a pain, and I I wound up taking longer than I'd hoped, and was off contract <laughs> for my apartment, and wanted to be able to just move fast. And and when were you going to play your Game Boy games? I mean, come on. Well, a little bit that. Like, they were lower in the priority list of stuff to move back, and I haven't been up to Dalton, I think, but once for my father's, what year is it? 65th birthday. Yeah. I went up once in June. That's the only time I've been up there. I think I've been up there twice this year total. I went up once in March and once in June. All right. So I may make a secret trip in the dead of night this week just to break into my parents' house, steal my (laughs) things back, and uh, not have to expose anyone to any... I mean, I've been quarantining, so I'm not going to expose anyone to anything. But anyway, um, I'm excited. All right. Let's talk comics. Let's do that. I'm going to open us up with we only find them when they're dead, number one. Yeah. Which you just picked up and started reading while waiting to start. I did, and I guess, like, I'm only about four or five pages in, but I'm, I like it so far. Yeah, this is the new Al Ewing 
uh, book. Simone de Mayo is the artist. And the colorist, whose work here is just incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With colorists, it's by Maria Sara Muyoti. Okay. So. Um, yeah, I, I will. I mean, just from the parts that I've seen, the, the colors are probably easily half the art in this. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, they're, they're just so much well, in this. So much of the, like visual language of this book is in lighting and glow and reflection and these illuminated floating screens throughout ships um you know like holograms it's it's ethereal and gorgeous um so this is about (laughs) yeah a four-person group of kind of pirate-esque strip miners and the thing they are strip mining uh is the corpse of a god that is floating through space because the different parts of its body and armor and eye jellies and things like that are resources for civilization super Uh, valuable yes it is Heavily regulated, you are only allowed to harvest so much. Different ships claim stakes in different parts of the god. And, like, if you try to get away without confirming your cargo and paying taxes on it, or if you try to claim jump on someone else, you have to deal with the authorities. And there are corporations that have started up that are trying to leverage legal power to push out the smaller independent. Sure. Um, and like through this whole first issue, I mean, got got to get that Google God in there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Through this whole first issue, which is prefaced by uh, its captain as a kid, and we see that basically, like, this is the family business. Yep. Uh, we learn, we we see the team like very intentionally not talking about certain things until they make this hyperspace jump where they can't be monitored. And then we find out what what's going to be happening going forward. Ah, definitely that's the part I haven't gotten to yeah, yet. You haven't gotten there yet. No. Um, I gotta say what shocked because I'm I, I I read the solicitation for this sounded interesting. What shocked me was when I turned the page to, uh, so that like they all go to this place in space and then at at given times, kind of like the next body will appear. Yeah. And. So you turn the page, and it's this beautiful two-page spread of this goddess body. Yeah. And I was not expecting, like, how beautiful these these god creatures are. Like, I was thinking more like old-style Kirby, you yeah. know, Celestia, if something at, like... That's sort of, like, industrial armor yeah, with lots of... right? Art Deco kind of vibes. Yeah, but no, like, this dead goddess is beautiful. I mean, she looks like, she looks like what they would worship in Amethyst in Gymworld, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. She is radiant in every sense of the word. Yes, yeah. Uh, Then then they proceed to cut her up. (laughs) Yeah, like, which I, I kind of dig that, right? Like, we see this absolutely yeah. beautiful... Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, 
not talking about just well, like her as a femme presenting entity, right. but like this absolutely beautifully rendered body just yeah. in space. Um, like you can almost sort of hear the aria playing behind it, right? Well, I'll tell you what it, it like. It took me half a step, and then it made me think. Like when they start carving her, is oh, I wonder if this was done purposely as a metaphor for like our beautiful world and how we carve it up and pull shit out of it. Yeah, that's, I yeah. think so, because that, I mean, that's where I was on my way to, right? Like, yeah. we see this beautiful image, and then it's just, okay, this is, this is meat. This is resources. This is yeah. a consumable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention in here the lettering real quick, because it mm. does, it plays with form a lot. Um, and this is lettered by And World Designs. We have the, you know, traditional speech bubbles. But we also have what feels like it would normally be in a, a you know, text box. An editor-type box, yeah. Yeah. But we see in, like, a serifed font uh, in white over space, this just kind of narration. Um, so, like, the double-page spread Brian mentioned. Just the gods are always beautiful, and the gods are always dead. Yep. Which also sounds like it could be a line out of Wickdiv. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, just it's a very stylish, intentional book, and underneath that, like I think the story and the character work here is also super well executed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, there we I'm, spent I'm, all that time on art and lettering. And have well, barely talked about writing. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to ignore the writer for once. <laughs> I love it. But, uh, like, I, I mean, here's the thing. I haven't gotten far enough into it to come on the writing for me personally. But, yeah, I'm I'm digging this. I'll definitely finish it and pick this up. Yeah. Uh, you may have to settle for, like, a third printing at this uh, I point. Know. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm aware. All right. Uh, Batman, number 98. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, we're just... We're just rolling through this Joker war, aren't we? We are. It feels like it's only barely started. And also, I guess because it's been setting up basically for as long as Tynan's been writing the book. Mm -hmm. It also feels like it is time for something big to happen. Yeah. Like, so this one in particular, the two big things we get is we get the rematch between Harley and Punchline. Yeah, which I just, I love Harley in this book so much. God, she, how much better of a character is she nowadays than she was 10 years ago? I mean, she's had way more room to exist outside of the context of Joker, so. That's kind of point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, yes. in fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tangent for a quick second. All right. I've finally gotten around to watching the Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh my god, yes. I'm not I'm not done yet. I'm I've got four, maybe three episodes left. Yeah. But as someone who has always like looked at the costume redesigns and been like, these are cool, but God, that original costume is so iconic. That show makes the best case for ditching that costume of oh, yeah. anything that I've ever seen. Not to mention the other character like like everything about that show is amazing in my opinion yeah oh my god okay um alan tudyk as clayface is <laughs> everything <laughs> yes 
King Shark, though, may be my favorite, though. I mean, Ron Funches has been in, like, three different things I've watched in the last two weeks, and he steals everything he's in. Yeah, I he's amazing. But, he, I, like, I, that's the thing. I, I love every, because I, uh, I love Poison Ivy in that, too. Yes. Yeah. Also, so just the little bit of trivia that Batgirl is voiced by Harley, by <laughs> Kaylee Cuoco's sister. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that choice, too. Every, everything about the show, yes. All right, back, to, back right. to book at hand. Harley, great. Yeah, and then um, the, I, I, the other thing is, you know, kind of Batman's recovery. Um, yeah. Which is uh, probably some of the most important character work we're going to see with him in, I think, a while. Like, yeah, I mean, I wonder, I could see it going two ways, right? Is this the yeah. payoff to what Tynan has been doing so far, or is this the first step in what will be an ongoing process? Uh, and I think it's it's almost crucial that you read this along with it, it like to, to know what's going on with Batman along with Justice League right now. Oh, because really? What, uh, yeah, and I, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk briefly. I, I think maybe I will pull Justice League back in just to mention something specific about that. Uh, you know what? I'm going to talk about it right because we're going to still good uh, yeah. Justice League. But in that one, I told you that they're in Black Mercy, right? This world size yeah. Black Mercy. Well, what it shows it, essentially it's what it's showing Batman, which is, uh, you know, it's essentially his his mother wanting him to, much like when his father came from Flashpoint wanting him to be Bruce and not Batman. Yeah. Right? And it really really makes me return to kind of our thought process from a couple of years ago of is Bruce Wayne going to give up Batman? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that too because yeah. uh it hasn't been solicited yet. I think they've said it'll be January yeah. or February. Um, but there is a John Ridley Batman miniseries coming up that he has said, uh, he sort of teasingly said that there would be a black Batman right. in this book. There are preview pages out there for another issue of this Batman run that have people speculating that maybe that book, which is not, which was assumed to be not in continuity. Mm -hmm. might in fact be in continuity so let's 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 play a little guessing game here let's let's say that batman does give up the cow and this is going to be in continuity who do you think it is luke fox that's my guess 100 percent as well yeah yeah i mean luke is primed to be in that position he had a new 52 launch title mm -hmm. he's been in a lot of the Batman line books, relatively consistently over the last decade, he's a character on Batwoman. Yeah, he just came back into Batgirl. Yeah. Last issue, yeah. Um, and with Tynan writing Batman and Tynan having been so heavily involved in, I forget if it was Batman Eternal or Batman and Robin Eternal that Luke played a role in. Got it. Um... It would not surprise me to have Luke be a big part of what's coming up next. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm all for it. Like, 
even if it becomes kind of a Marvel legacy thing where there are multiple Batman out there. Um, yep. I, I don't know what shape it's going to take, but I'm I'm cool for continuing to shake things up. Yeah, and here's the thing. I think everyone knows that eventually Bruce will be Batman again if that happens. But, you know, yeah, it could be interesting for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's the... Some differences. It's the comics as a conservative medium sure. argument. The everything eventually has to go back to status quo. Yep. Because that's where new readers can come on. Mm-hmm. Um, by the flip side, like this is why movies and comics sharing is a good thing in my book, because it helps change that status quo. It means maybe you don't have to go so far back every time. Right. Um, like, I mean, I think our loss of Alfred is, is going to be a real permanent thing now. Yeah. I feel like it has to be. Like, if yeah. not, that kind of thing, if you do that, that's just shock at that point. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. Anything else on Batman while we are here? Um, no, other than, I mean, I guess I'll just say this puts us at a point in the story where we are ready to start the final yeah. part of the story. Yeah. I also think this issue confirms for me that this Joker war line is really more a punchline story than a Joker story, at least I, in its moving parts. I kind of am getting that. Like, it, like it's, it's from a, from the standpoint of Joker, it's just another Joker story. Yeah. More than some of the other characters that are involved in the story. Right. That makes sense. Right. Like, I think Selena, it's got, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's bigger for her than it is for Joker. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It's funny, like, she feels really sidelined right now. Yes. But I think that's going to give her a chance to react to having been sidelined and yep. having to react to feeling like she's messed up. And I can see this springboarding into something much bigger from her. Yeah. Uh, and our next issue of Catwoman, which is number 25 in a couple of weeks, does tie into this and is a new creative team coming in. Rom V, I'm very excited. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm really curious to see what this does for her going forward. Me too. All right, Deceased, Dead Planet number three. Um, normally this is where we start throwing this into, is it still good? But some things happen here, and we learn about what's going on and stakes and... There's too much, I think, in this issue not to talk about. Yeah, plus, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's got my editorial box of the week. <laughs> Brian's editorial box of the week. So we talked about how in the last one, um, they got attacked by Undead Plastic Man. Yep. Well, so it turns out Undead Plastic Man is, is like the moat around the, this then wall of hellfire which then guards this other sanctum, right? Yeah. This other protected space. (laughs) So um, the way they defeat Plastic Man is Zatanna forces him into the hellfire, and the the editorial comment, which is from Constantine, is, I hate the smell of burning flesh and the smell of burning plastic. A combination of the two is definitely worse. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that, John. So we learn who is in this Australian fortress, and I love this. I love this beat so much. Yeah, because like the idea of oh yeah, here are all the billionaires fortifying in like Australia and 
IRL New Zealand. New Zealand, right, yeah. Like, I love Tom Taylor, who is Australian, right? Like, taking <laughs> this and being like, we see you. We know what the fuck you're doing, assholes. <laughs> yes. Um, Which, uh, here's, you know what, who I loved in this, though? Swamp Thing? Not, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but Penguin. Penguin was good here. Yeah, Penguin, it, yeah, Penguin looks good in this, and yeah. See, I went to Swamp Thing because my brain is on, you oh, know, high, yeah. you know Wonder Woman's gonna high-five him when he gets back from this, and she gets de-zombified. Oh, hell yeah. Um. Now that implies Kite Man is somewhere in here. Kite Man is not in here to our knowledge. Kite Man, not to our knowledge, no. Uh, the other is, is I like uh, I like Damien sewing his costume. That was so. good. Like Damien and and Jim and Jim, yeah, are fantastic in this issue. <laughs> You're just stoicism and a mustache, aren't you? <laughs> Damien talking about the Riddler could have scared Batman away with just a little affirmation or whatever is <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just the best. I never realized that Bruce's greatest fear was intimacy. Yes. Oh, with a pat on the shoulder. That was it. That's it. <laughs> oh my god. Amazing. Uh, Damien spills all the tea. Uh, yeah. Alright, so the the I'm kind of flipping through here. The next thing, are we going to end up seeing something between uh, John Kent and uh, Mary Marvel? I mean, I hear magic is Superman's biggest weakness. Uh-huh. Yep. And then, of course, one of Alex's all-time favorite characters shows up. We're gonna Jason have... Blood Jason Blood's yes. alternate ego. <laughs> I was gonna say in this book you're gonna have to be more specific. The demon etrigan. Can we just yes. not with the rhyming? I'm not in the mood. Can we right just now. not, please. <laughs> so I start slipping in like internal rhyme in yes. single sentences and just like, no, yes. fuck off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I love it. And who does, uh, so <laughs> we find out that because all of these people are dying, but aren't actually dying, they're undying, that like hell is pissed because it's not getting these people's souls. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, right, Brian. Right? <laughs> Who's coming for everybody? I figured you'd be very excited about I this. I was. I was, like, just smiling ear to ear because Trigon is coming to fuck the world over. <laughs> yeah. He's going to pretty much just wipe out everybody. Yeah. But oh there's good God. news. If there's an anti-life equation, there must be a life equation. So who does Constantine enlist to help find it? Oh, oh, right. Who, let's see. Knowing that the anti-life equation came from uh, Apocalypse, Right. Yep. Who could, uh, and you find yourself being closed in on all sides by these undead hordes. Who do you think could escape the situation and find an answer? I'm going to go with Scott Free. There you go. But I've also read the book. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, By the way, (laughs) how much did you love the. Scott Free on Harley Quinn? No. No. The. Because a lot, in <laughs> fact. The, yeah, but the comment. Uh, um, well, we know this is apocalyptic in origin, uh, so maybe the answer lies with the knowledge of apocalypse. And somebody, I don't remember who it was, somebody says, we could ask a mother box. And John goes, I'm pretty sure their answer would be ping, ping, ping. <laughs> John's not wrong. <laughs> that was just amazing. 
amazing. Uh, oh, I love it. This book is so damn good. Oh. All right, Brian, why don't you tell me about Die Number 13? Oh my gosh. So I am I, I got all caught up on Die and holy crap. I really really every time I I go back into this book, I realize just how much I love it and how much he Kieran Gillen is a fucking master at setting up these super complex interrelated but like so different constructed universes type things. Like this is like the ultimate thing for him. It's it's just amazing. Um, we have, now that the party is split, it, it's important to know that Ash essentially took control of an entire kingdom, so one whole side of the die, by forcing a king to marry her. And so now she is the ruler of Angria, which is a, a yeah. But, oh my god, didn't realize the repercussions that were going to happen from it, and... <laughs> how complicated the so there's we found out there's these other people called the masters and there's one for each side of the die who generally don't actually play in the game themselves but just set up the rules and constructs for how that side of the die functions so they're the gms they're well they're not the GMs of because the, there is a specific role that is the grant the Fair. game master of the world, right? But they are it's like they're the they're like the the writers of the modules or gotcha. like the the writers of maybe a class or so they're like creators of the content, so cool. kind of right. And you find out maybe that's even more true in this one because turns out the the one that's giving her trouble because. Like, out of nowhere, one of the sides, like, declares war on her kingdom. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what's going on? You've always been friends, and we have this other enemy in common that we need to do. And they're like, no, no, no. As long as you are queen, it is impossible for us to make peace with you. And she's like, wait, wait, impossible? And they're like, yeah. And so she's like, oh, and realizes that it's the, the person, the game master of that die who has literally made one of the rules that, if she's queen, it's impossible for them to make peace with her. Ah. So she goes to meet with this game master, who is one who actually does play in the game. And it turns out to be H.G. Wells. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It is. This is like, this is so good in so many levels. This, I, I would never suggest, and this is, this is not, I, we don't do this often. I would never suggest somebody read this issue to issue just because there is so much to keep track of. Yeah. If I, 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 This is one that will be enjoyed far, far better in trades, just so you can consume enough of it to, to, to really get into it. Yeah. Right? Um, like I said, because it is so complex and there's so many moving parts to it. But, oh my God, it is so damn good. So, Kieran Gillen tweeted earlier today, Thinking a format for a die RPG commercial release and doing separate players and masters books where the player's book is blank except the legend, you know nothing in enormous letters. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because the whole, the whole thing about this is them figuring out what the hell's going on. Yeah. And, and holy crap, do we get a lot of 
what it actually is in this one. And it's so much more complicated than we thought. <laughs> like it, it's this big closed loop system that's that they can't let close. Suddenly I'm thinking of the laws of thermodynamics. Oh my God. Or like, at least the, the mnemonic for it. Like you, yeah. you must play the game. You can't quit the game. You will lose the game. Yeah. Yeah. So the only way to win is to break the game, right? Oh no, you can't win. Uh, well, uh, a thermodynamics. Yeah, right. No, I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, you're right. Yeah. Oh, super good. Die is amazing. Uh, also fantastic this week. I was excited for this book. I did not know where this book was going to go. Mm-hmm. Black Widow number one. Oh yeah. So this has this has like some of the best vibes of several different books that I've read recently. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, there was, so, it starts off with with her on a mission, right? And the interaction between her and Kat, by the way, is amazing at the end of that little Uh intro mission. She goes home and finds somebody, we don't know who, in her apartment. And they shoot her with tranquilizers, and the next thing we know, it's three months later. Yep, and she is... Working with the construction crew and uh, in a relationship with someone happily and nobody has seen her since. They've just assumed she disappeared on a mission. Right. But then Hawkeye, who was pissed with her at the beginning of the book for not inviting him along on her adventures with Bucky. Yes. Uh, sees her on TV and calls Bucky and is like, look, we thought she was undercover. If that were true. She never would have let herself be caught on camera. Right. Something is up. And, so um, I guess we're doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then there's very definitely, and the, the, the big vibe that came in the next part of this was from Hex Wives, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, which was essentially that the way they controlled this coven of witches was to put them into this fake life, right? Um, the kind of Stepford wife. And this is, she's obviously not, like, this is not nearly Stepford-esque as that. But the the point is that she apparently is in this life and doesn't know who she, or at least we don't think she knows who she is. It definitely reads like someone said, okay, we're gonna, like, pull out some memories. Yeah. But otherwise just let her live a functional life. Yeah. And make choices without all the weight of her past on her. Mm -hmm. And this is how we take her off the board. Right. We let her want to be off the board. And if you had to put somebody in an environment where, you know, because you were taking them off the board and they had to be watched constantly in this kind of created situation, who would you hire to do that, Alex? I mean, definitely not Maria Hill because nope. of that whole uh, a pleasant, pleasant vale, valley, vale, pleasant hill, whatever it was, whatever yeah, it, yeah, thing, pleasant something that that fucked that up time so Maria Hill turned Cap into a Nazi unintentionally. Yeah, that one. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm gonna jump to again. I've read the book and know the answer. I know. I, yeah, yeah, I don't I think mean, I would have gotten here on my own. Uh, actually, I might have. I really might have. Well, especially taking the segue from who would be a game master. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, Arcade. Arcade. 
who <laughs> I think my favorite part of this is the fact that it's like he's like it's day forty seven, and holy shit is this boring. <laughs> 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 he's so bored just watching her live her life. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Arcade yeah, gives it's... off some Riddler vibes in this book, and I'm kind of here for that. Yeah, very definitely. And like, here's the thing: I, like, I, I absolutely, I already know I'm going to absolutely love this book because it's Kelly Thompson, and I love reading Kelly Thompson. Yeah, specifically Kelly Thompson writing female characters is just, I don't know. Also, Elena it. Casagrande's art is yes. perfect for this. Yes. And Jordy Belair's doing coloring. Come on. Yeah. You know how we feel about Jordy. Just one of the best. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I want more. I'm ready now. Me too. Hey, that cover to number three suddenly makes a whole lot more sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's going to be heartbreaking. Ugh. Guardians of the Galaxy number six. Speaking of heartbreaking, I could not tell if the first page of this was meant to be an homage to the Abnett and Lanning Guardians, mm-hmm. or to Heroes in Crisis, or both. But this starts with Richard Ryder in a nine-panel grid with, uh, I mean, the background is very, I, I think it's got to be both, because the background is very Heroes in Crisis. Um talking to his therapist um which also reminds me of like the video testimonials in that right and landing run yeah sure um this entire issue though is Ryder in therapy after dealing with the you know having been dead and having come back and having gotten his best friend killed and having his best friend's girlfriend mad at him for it and by the way he used to be in love with her and he found out that at one point she said she was in love with him and they talked about it and she was more in love with the idea of him and how pure and simple he was. But the difference between him and Peter is Peter came back and he never really came back and isn't capable of moving on in the way that she needed. Um, and the whole, the whole issue is kind of finishing up the first arc and telling us where everything shakes out by virtue of just how... It has affected Richard Ryder, who has been in some books over the last couple of years, especially, but hasn't really had a chance to unpack anything. Yeah. Um, it's a really solid issue. Uh, we also learn that now Marvel Boy and Hercules are a couple. Okay. Um, which I'm super excited for that going forward in this book, because I think that will be a fun dynamic for this book to explore. Um... And then at the very end of this, Rocket calls Richard and is like, yeah, uh, hey, have you seen the space news? And Ryder's like, no. Pulls it up and basically, I guess, reads the headline that, hey, Empire just happened. <laughs> and now all of the politics of space are completely different. Oh, right, because the Kree Skrull War is over, right? Yeah. And can you believe what happened with the Kotati? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's, I, I love this book a lot. I mean, we joked about not talking about Al Ewing's writing, and we only find them when they're dead, but this is also Al Ewing, and he is one of my favorite writers right now. Um, cannot recommend this enough, especially if, like me, you're kind of done with Peter Quill. Um, it's a good Guardians book if you don't want a Guardians book with Peter Quill in it. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, just kind of tired of him being an asshole and holding everyone back. And this is a book without him in it. And I'm not saying everything's great for everyone, but people get to be different and not held back by his his childish bullshit. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let that. I'll let it go for now. I was going <laughs> to say another example of how how Kate Pride is better off on her own than the men that she seems to choose. <laughs> the, the, the men named Peter that she seems to choose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who'd have Who'd have thought that Emma Frost would be better for? Her? Oh my God. Yeah. Speaking of Empire. Yes. Uh, the penultimate entry in our Empire Roundup series. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I don't know if I put this on my list, but also Fantastic Four 23. Did you happen to read that one? Uh, I did. Yeah. Cool. We're actually going to start with that one as it comes before slash during six, but I would absolutely read Fantastic Four before Empire. Yes, 100% agree. Um, This is one of the critical, you should read them in that order. Once, yeah. yeah, and the reason for that is this does the thing, uh, and we can talk about this in a minute, but this sure. does the thing where, like, Fantastic Four 23 is telling a very specific, like, plot line that's running mm-hmm. in parallel to Empire, and we get, like, two pages of Fantastic Four number 23 retold with, you know, with, with, with different art in Empire. But almost the exact same dialogue. Like, I think the dialogue is pretty much dread that dead on poles yeah. from yeah like it's it's the exact same dialogue but we just see like slightly yeah. truncated versions of those scenes yep um if you read empire six first like you know where 23 go fantastic Four twenty three goes yes um i mean to be fair if you read comics you can probably guess where it goes before sure it, anyway because it's yeah yeah so fantastic four number 23 is the end of the immediate plot line, at least, with these two Cree and Scroll kids who have the entire histories of their people's conflicts ingrained in them. Uh, I love these two kids so much. I do, too. Um, they are great, and I'm glad that they've shown up on covers to subsequent issues of Fantastic Four, because I'm really interested in seeing like what... Dan Slot does with them. They're a very Dan Slot pair of characters. Um, like they clearly, we learn in this like they kind of can't imagine life without each other. Yeah, and it's because they're basically raised to hate each other, and therefore their purpose comes from each other. But now that hatred doesn't really make sense. Well, and not only have they were they raised to hate, but like. Literally, they they spent they have spent their entire lives fighting each other. Right. So, like, they are the most important person in the other person's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, I do have to I do have to point this out though. Yeah. Like, because literally every time he speaks or every time I see it, it is Joven not Damien the Cree. Oh, one hundred percent. Okay, I'm just checking it to make sure it's not just me. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100% he is Space Damien. Yes. <laughs> yes, um, he is. And I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, right, I, yeah. <laughs> I adore Damien Wayne. Um, But yeah, this is basically the rescue mission to get Jovin back. Uh, the priests of Pama have built basically a hate ray using Jovin. 
mm-hmm. uh, to exacerbate the the tensions between the Kree and the Skrull and break up the army. Uh, and Valeria and Franklin, uh, along with Spidey and Wolvie, have to rescue him, stop this, reverse the damage, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And they do. They do. Spoilers. They do. Shocking. Right. Um, it's like telling you that Rocky wins at the end of a Rocky movie. I don't know. <laughs> like, now, hang duh. on. Hang on. This could have ended with a freeze frame photo finish. Okay, right. Yeah, fair enough. But no. <laughs> actually, actually, it, it, maybe this issue could. Empire 6 could not because it had to finish out. the. the... <laughs> yes. So let's talk about Empire 6. Yeah. Um, and the thing I will lead with, and I don't think this is a bad thing at all. Um, it's in a way refreshing, and I think probably maybe a little bit product of just the hiatus and trying to get everything back on track. Yeah. Um, Empire doesn't, except for a couple of specific characters, doesn't immediately seem like it changes a whole lot of what's happening in continuity right now. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, um, and that's, I, I that's think it's kind I, of refreshing in a way. It is. I think the two biggest things we're going to see that, that actually do have some sort of impact. Well, I guess three, one is, uh, these, the introduction of these two characters to the fantastic four. Yep. Right. Joval and, and, and Kala. And then the other is captain Marvel, right? Yeah. The fact that she has the hammer of the accuser. Well, and this is, I think, one of the unfortunate effects of the release timing on this. Right. There's one issue of that book that comes before this that isn't out yet. Correct. So we won't see exactly how that shakes out, although you and I have our prediction and we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Um, I think you're right about those things. Uh, Obviously, this Uh, is going to have some effect on, on Jennifer Walters. Yep. I was gonna, well, and then I was going to say that, and then there's the obvious, the fact that the Kree Scroll War is indeed over now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we do, but that's kind of, I mean, this, this sort of solidifies that, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we'll probably see a little bit more in terms of consequence next week in the Avengers and Fantastic and Four Aftermath, aftermath and Fallout issues. Yeah, yep. Um... Because I can see definitely some room kind of 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 kind of like we talked about last week on Iron Man, where like we sort of wish we had an epilogue. Right. I can see some room in an epilogue for as people decompress things to be a little different. I mean, we see with with, with Ben and Sue, we see both of them go to some pretty extreme places, right? Like yes. Ben is Ben is bloodied at the end of this, which is not something that happens to him a whole lot. Right. Uh Sue has to have Mantis like remove her sense of pain in yep. order to be able to push herself to a certain point. So like I think there's room in the fallout there. I think there's room for Avengers um especially with some of what's going on in Avengers for maybe Tony yeah. to to have some um have some I... character change, character growth out of this maybe. This is this is probably my favorite Tony that's been in an event in a long, long time. I agree. Um, and here's the thing. He's not Iron Man in this. No, he's really not. 
at all. Like at all. He's Tony. Well, and I, like the whole time. Sort of knowing knowing what's in the solicitation text for the first issue of the new Iron Man run, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, and we've certainly seen in Avengers, which is, I mean, both of those books are different writers, so it's a little hard to tell how much this bleeds into that directly. But in Avengers, we've seen Tony be pretty shaken to his core in terms of who is he, why is he here, what is you know is is mephisto really his father <laughs> like yeah there's a lot existentially on tony at this point well and th- there's a there's a scene in here where he's talking to reed right where he essentially says oh uh, <laughs> i'm i'm in a i'm essentially in in a cave you know it's a technological metaphorical cave but i'm in this cave i've got you know scraps of technology that I could put to use all around me, and I've got a time limit uh, on a situation that's going to destroy everything. I, this is the only place where I really am, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, way to get back to your roots there, bud. Yeah. How am I going to fix the sun? I'm going to put a suit did, did on you, it. Did, did you get what, roots? Yeah I, yeah, I saw that. Okay. <sighs> uh, there you go. Thank well, you. yeah, no. This was this was this was a this was a you know in some ways predictable conclusion, but satisfying, very satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's good to have event level books that don't have everything changes forever consequences. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, and, and, and especially and when really like this was always billed as this is a Fantastic Four and Avengers event. Yeah, yeah. And our two, what I would consider our two big villains in this, are very much in a captured, but still around to come back in the future state. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. Meanwhile, on Krakoa, how much did you love Cable this week, Brian? Uh, as much as I love Cable every single week that it comes out, because I, I legitimately this, get the vibe that this is one of your favorite books at this point. I can't. I, it, here's the thing: I don't want to like it as much as I do. <laughs> I really don't. But I can't help it. Somehow, Duggan writing Cable is like the best thing that has ever happened to me that I, mean, I did not expect. Brian, how would you? If I had in December of 2019 said, "Hey, look, 2020 is going to be a weirdest a weird year." Yeah. But the weirdest part is going to be that two of your favorite books are Suicide Squad and Cable. <laughs> what would you have would you have even been able to like take that with a straight face? I would have I I probably would have had to respond to something like Man, there's going to have to be like some sort of world altering disease that comes out to make that kind of thing happen. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. And (laughs) here's the thing it is 100% in the dialogue that Cable has, and and even more so the, 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 the. context things that go on around him mm-hmm. like things like when it when it introduces esme it's like one-fifth of cable's girlfriends 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? come on. Well, and, and like, there's so much in, in the art, too, that is expression yes. and is, like you said, yes. context. Um, the, the shot, there's a shot near the end where Emma Frost has come to pick up Esme. And there's the they're, great, they're, they're a day late getting back. There's this great line where Frost is like, now, neither of you needs your powers to know what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> but then she and Esme ride off on a horse because in this book, of course. Um, and there's just this, like, glance back and forth in this psychic <laughs> call me later or whatever. Yeah. That is just the most... You, you two think you're cute because you're being <laughs> sneaky and psychic. You know Emma heard that, right? Oh, of course she did. And and, the, and Emma, Emma does this glare at Cable and does the pointed at the eyes and him, like yes. I'm watching you. <laughs> like she's a te- like first she could say the words. Second, she's a telepath. She could just think the things. But no, she actually uses the the sim the, yeah. the, the pantomiming of I'm watching you. Yeah. Got my eyes on you. Oh my god. And it's perfect because like she's just like, you don't need your powers to know what I'm thinking. But let me make this very clear without your fucking powers. Uh, Duggan and and Noto Cable like why, how, no cable book should ever be this good. It should not. It has, it can't, it, it is not right for it to be but it is. And then he talks about how he met Deadpool for the first time. And wow, that guy's something, isn't he? <laughs> and Scott's kind of like, I don't think you should be talking to him. Yeah, but yeah, maybe you shouldn't hang around him. <laughs> uh, we also get... We also get the... the, And I guess technically it's a retcon, but it's so smooth that I hate to use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, the explanation of why OG Cable... Right. I guess in this case means old grandpa Cable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. Um, let Kid Cable get the drop on him. Mm-hmm. And the, the, this great, like, flashback moment of, ah, fuck you, kid. <laughs> I'm gonna have to fall on this sword because you need a bomb. Which means I needed a bomb. Which means to get right. here to this point, I've gotta put a bomb in my arm. Yeah. And accept you killing me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you get this thing of, like, the young cable realizing, you know, because he, he, you know, why didn't he fight back or why didn't he avoid me knowing that this was going to happen? And he comes to a point of realize, oh, wait, he did know this was going to happen. Well, and it's, it's like this really <laughs> great commentary on when you are younger. Yeah. Even trying to imagine a future version of yourself <sighs> is like thinking about a different person in a different person's life. Yes. And when you're older and you're looking back on it, like, you know, that was you, that sort of disconnect yep. that, that you have when you're young from your own future. Yeah. Like we had the last issue. Deadpool is like, you're, I can see shades of my friend in you, but you're not him yet. Yeah. And in this issue, we see old man cable recognizing, yes, this is all part of my story. I have to own this and sort of, pay the piper for my actions in the past. Maybe not in those exact words, but like that's sort of the net effect of it. But you still have Kid Cable being like, damn it, old man got the drop on me. He could have had this. 
Yeah. Like, there's still that gulf there. And, like, the book doesn't push that in your face, but I think it's such an important part of this. And oh, such I, a well-executed part of this. I mean, you just pointed it out to me, you know, nine months ago, I couldn't have predicted I would like this book this much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean. And time makes fools of us all. Doesn't it, though? Oh, my God. So good. And here's the thing. It's not the only good book that's out this week. No. Because they're all good. <laughs> they're all good. Let's move on to the next one. New Mutants yeah. number 12. Uh, first of all, I just love the cover. <laughs> yes. That's just... By the way, did you see one of the uh, one of the microphones? So it's magic. It's done like a, uh, like a tabloid cover. Yeah. And it's got magic with her sword slicing off all the tops of all of these microphones that are being pointed at her from like a, a you know a news media uh-huh. thing. One of them has the 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 I can't remember what they call them, but the like the logo box that's on the mics, right? Yeah, is six one six. Ah, yep, nice. <laughs> I was like, there you go. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, was it last week when we? It was I think last week when we were talking about iBoy. And I listed yes. off the characters who I would put in an X-Men movie. Uh-huh. One of them was Glob Herman. Oh, yeah. Who uh, gets some time front and center in this issue. He does. He does. Um... So, first off, like, this is digging into the the sort of background plot line from this series about yeah. the group Doxing Mutants. Yeah, specifically a, a website called Docs. Yeah, yeah. which I love because we had House of X, which was abbreviated Hawks, and Powers of Tin, which is abbreviated Pox. And I love that they're just kind of nod and wink made Docs. Yes. Um, it's very Dr. Seuss, but I'm here for it. Basically, Magic and a small team is just taking the fight to them. Uh, we see Trinary, who uh, you read X-Men Red, right? The Tom Taylor? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, glad to see Trinary back and still Me up too. to it. Um, and you get the kind of, of expected beat of magic just coming in and being terrifying. Yes. And she goes to like almost punch the editor or ringleader out. And then you see Glob Herman's hand try to like, you think it's going to be stopping her? Yeah. And then he steps in and he lets this man have it. And I, these kind of, of, of groups, these clearly hate-based organizations that are so yeah. good at, at covering at, their tracks and maintaining plausible deniability and being intentionally shitty without repercussion. They're, they're hate enablers is what they are. Right. But, but that, see, that even implies that they don't know what they're doing. They uh, mean uh, it. No, no, no. No, no I, that's just it. They are 100%, but they use the fact that they're not committing things themselves to claim that they're not bad. Yeah. Yeah, and bullshit. Like, <laughs> I could go further down this road than I want. Oh, yeah. We, but, we, like, we, the yeah. last four years have made these voices, which were already there, even more prominent and even more toxic. And have signaled to them that this shit is okay and it is the thing that gets under my skin the fastest and i have such a complex reaction to glob herman 
basically just letting them have it. Like, I'm kind of here for it. But I am also such a pacifist at the same time that, like, I don't know that I'd do anything different in his shoes, but, man, I hate that part of me. And then he has this monologue about... I was going to say, which is exactly what he goes through, right? Like... (laughs) Yeah. Like, he literally goes through that exact conversation where this is everything I don't want to be. Yeah. But... And then Magic has... Like, Magic is... What's amazing is she's, like, the most composed in this. Yeah. Right? And she's like, I, I, yes, I understand, but having having anger and releasing anger when when it's justified and not letting it be what controls you is not a bad thing. Yeah. Which, yeah. boy howdy, is literally the thing I personally have the hardest time with. Right. Yeah. Uh, this scene also, like that whole that whole half of this book, also reminds me so much of that scene in the West Wing pilot, where uh, CJ and Toby drag Josh into the meeting with Mary Marsh and the others. And oh yeah. Everyone yeah. loses their cool <laughs> except Josh. Yes. Right. <laughs> and like that's, and, and like that's the whole magic. time they're warning they're warning Josh. Not to lose his cool. Don't lose your right. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't rise to the bait. <laughs> yes. Can at least get the names of the damn commandments straight. <laughs> uh. uh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, and then how it turns out because you, you're led to very much. You're kind of led along the leash of magic is going to go in here and just fuck shit up, right? Well, that's what this series has built toward, right? We had the issue with Scott giving her the ultimatum. Don't you fuck up again. Right. And so, but no, what she has led them in here to do is for Trinary to take their systems and essentially every single time that they dox and release names and addresses and whereabouts of mutants, it's going to release his name and address and whereabouts of of the creator as well. Yeah, you dox us, like, you dox yourself. Yeah, tit for tat. It's only fair. We're not doing anything you're not doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, like, how beautiful is that? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Wolverine number five. Um, nothing, nothing in this book will make me happier than hearing Wolverine referred to as a juice box. <laughs> Yeah, an iced juice box. Yeah, that. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So this is this is where we're following the vampire storyline is in this book. Yeah. Um. Also, it doesn't address this, but do you think that after the after the vampires took his blood, that they were a little drunk? Because as I much mean, whiskey as must have been in his system at that point, although he uh, he does heal pretty quickly, he could have already. He could have already processed it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So essentially what we find out is what happened in the catacombs in Paris when they took his blood and let him go, and then what happens here when they freeze him and, again, take his blood, is they're creating what they call blood clocks. Essentially, they're taking Wolverine's blood and over time, over a a one-day period, transfusing it into themselves so that they can become daywalkers. Yes. Yeah. 
So Wolverine teams up with some Canadian punk vampires on snowmobiles to take the fight to the vampires as they invade Minneapolis. <laughs> those words, those words together are, I think, poetry. Yeah, there's something right about that, isn't there? Uh, I love that as kind of dark and brutal as this book gets, it keeps that sense of humor. Like that sort of just existential absurdity of, of everything that's going on. Yeah. Well, and the then the uh, the last key thing I think in here is so they go and these two these two kind of vampire lieutenants who were doing that. Essentially what they're doing is they they're turn they're taking all these super small towns in northern Canada uh which are kind of economically failing anyway. Mm -hmm. And they're turning everybody in it into new vampires. It's really a metaphor for alt-right conservatism in American small <laughs> towns. And then they're taking these new vampires and trucking them into large cities and releasing them. See previous comment? Yeah. Um, and, and that's how they're, like, fostering this. But so you really they go after can, these... You really can tell which issues of X-Men were written before the hiatus and which were <laughs> written after the hiatus, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um... But but specifically the important thing here is Wolverine asks one of the lieutenant like why did you why did you let me go and they're like because if we had actually taken you it would have prompted a response from the mutants and we're 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 not ready for that yet and he's like well too late now <laughs> and that's yep. kind of where it ends yeah <laughs> yeah so all these books are so good so one of the things I'm curious about because. And it's kind of amazing to me that we're this close to it, and I don't know. Is I have not been, I have not gleaned exactly what's going to happen in Ten of Swords, and I'm super pleased by that. Part of it's because I've been kind of trying to stay away from it, yeah. right? Um, but like, ah, uh, is the are the vampires part of that storyline, or is that something that's going to happen after? I I'm think it's after. I think that's a separate thing. So yeah. Here's the funny part. I haven't really avoided it, and I also have not exactly glimpsed. Okay, and, and that's I, I like. I think that's been purposeful yeah. from them. Have you have you gone back and picked up that free comic book day issue of X Men that um, is sort of a teaser for Ten of Swords? I, I have it. I have not read it yet. Okay. So, like, even having read that, and even having read like I think Newsarama had an article last week, maybe a week before now. Uh, uh, with, oh shoot, one of the artists working on it about developing sort of a visual language and style for the mm -hmm. tie-ins. Um, like, even reading that, I don't have a lot of answer for what exactly this is. I know, I know one thing that maybe you have not had a chance to pick up yet that I think does come from that free comic book day issue. Okay. But from what what picture I do have, I think what we're going to see is is kind of the way this line has worked in general, right? Where these plot threads that are introduced in one maybe get picked up or referenced in another and just sort of float. I think we're going to see lots of little things that have been, this issue is focused on that, this issue is focused on that, sort of coalesce, right? Like these little beats, these forgotten moments, these these things that have happened all sort of add up together uh but there are also like there 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 there's character art out there for a few of the the 
antagonist characters. Right. Um, and like, I know where they come from, but there's also like one of them who they haven't released a name for and like intentionally are withholding the name of. Yeah. And like, there's one, there's one theory out there that, oh, this is maybe an X-Men character who's been turned into something else. Yeah. Kind of Archangel is. Yeah. 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 Um, We'll find out in like two weeks, though. Yeah, we're so close. I'm, I'm so ready for this guy. And here's the thing, that, and this goes back to you know the cable and Wolverine and all the. And we've talked about how good all of the, literally all of these books are. Yeah, like I can't imagine a like if you said where could they do a crossover event that would be the most the the thing you would want the most, it would have to be in mutants right now. Yeah, it'd have to be in the X books because. They're just so well written all together that oh my yeah. god! Well, and it's it's funny to me because like I think I've said this before, how excited I am for this almost snuck up on me the first time I saw that Prelude trade dress on single issues. Right? It's like oh, this is a real thing that's coming now, and I I am super stoked for it. Yeah. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. First, is it still good? King of Nowhere number five wraps up as the 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 citizens of Nowhere learn what their place in the world is and where they can go next. Uh, the Dreaming Waking Hours number two, while Ruin and Jophiel seek out help for Ruin's mistakes. Uh, oh shoot, is her name Mindy? The main character has to solve the problem of having too many Shakespeare's. Hellblazer, Rise and Fall, number one. This is, I think, a very well-made, very John Constantine Hellblazer story. Uh, If that is what you are looking for, I think this is absolutely for you. Injustice, year zero, number five, Brian. Um, the Joker finally gets his hands on... Uh, the item that's going to give him the power to change everything. Justice League number 52, Brian. Ooh, uh, we get, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, we get Batman's story of what Black Mercy would show him to give him a life that would make him happy. And we get a revelation at the end when Bruce asks Superman, what did it show you? And his response is, believe it or not, my life right now. Strange Adventures number five, Brian. Wow, Alana's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that in every, holy, wow, wow. And the art makes me happy, I'm sorry. I love it. Young Justice number 18. Uh, Drake, and spoiler... Uh, have a family reunion with Spoiler's father. And invite all their friends. Yes. <laughs> Bitterroot number 10. Uh, we may have dealt with Adro, but there will still be consequences in the future. There's a time jump a couple of years forward at the end of this, and I need to know what comes next, and this is going on hiatus to, to uh, write the next arc. Like one of the, you know, like Image does, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, couple yeah, month yeah. hiatuses. Right. Coffin Bound number six. Maybe a psychic assassin is not how you kill 
someone who regularly injects God the drug. Maybe that's just a recipe for your psychic assassin to get very, very high. Sex Criminals Sexual Gary Special Number 1. Uh, this is Gary's life story. It is, like, a sad and horny Lifetime original movie about a man named Sexual Gary. All right. Like, that's the best way I can sum it up. Um, Hawkeye Freefall number six. This is one of the last couple of... We released it digitally first, and now it's in print issues from Marvel. Yeah. Um, this wraps everything up. If you've been reading it, you're gonna pick up this issue, and if you haven't been, what's wrong with you? Horizon Zero Dawn, number two. Uh, we learn a little bit more about the new machines, the, the sort of black-armored machines that Talana is hunting, and how she and Aloy have figured out how to deal with them. And then, uh, things take a turn for the not-great for Talana. Uh, also, just real quick, the only reason we didn't talk about Miles Morales Spider-Man number 18 this week is because my comic shop got shorted. Uh, mm. I am still very excited for this book, and hopefully when it comes in, I will remember to put I, it back in the list. And I think I missed putting it on the uh, on the list, but Terrifics number 30, which is the last issue of Terrifics, uh, was out this week. And uh, we, we, I mean, we get a wrap-up and conclusion of their storyline. Cool. Which uh, I've really liked. I've really liked some of the characters in this. Hopefully they turn up in new places soon. Yeah. Yeah. But now we turn our attention toward November. Back on the solicitations game. Brian. Yes, sir. Tell me about Miskatonic number one. So Miskatonic, this is an Aftershock book. It's coming out. It's going to be by Mark Sable uh, as the writer and uh, Giorgio... Pontrelli is the artist. Um, this is about, um, and this is going to be one of two books that, that's similar. Uh, this is uh, an FBI agent named, uh, where's she at? Miranda Keller, who was sent to stop some bombings in this place called Miskatonic Valley. And it turns out that there's some very odd, weird things going on in this uh in this location like think cults and you know supernatural weirdness and yeah yeah um this was compared when it was announced and i'm i'm imagining mostly just because of the specific moment it was announced this was compared to lovecraft country which i think had debuted like the night or a night or two before this announcement okay. Yep. Um, I mentioned that mostly so I can say on the podcast, oh my god, Lovecraft Country is amazing. <laughs> you should be watching it. Uh, as someone who read the book back when it was announced Jordan Peele was working on a TV show, yeah. I am still constantly surprised by this show and absolutely adore it. Yeah. Uh, um, Journey yeah, Smollett's this- the best. This takes place in the 1920s, and yeah, there's like a Cthulhu-esque like image as part of the, the title. Yeah. So there's definitely that vibe going on here. Well, yeah. Miskatonic is a is a pretty heavy signal that this is going to have yeah, it, some. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It does what's advertised on the tin. <laughs> Red Atlantis number one. All right, so this is another Aftershot book. Uh, this one's by Stephanie Phillips, and the art is Robert Carey. Um, 
and this is uh this is similar in the fact that it is uh, uh a, an FBI uh, person who is going to in, to figure out what's happened after something some violent crimes that happen on an election day um and there's a Texas journalism student uh named Miriam who is trying to basically start investigating and figuring out what's going on. I saw the solicitation and I thought, Oh, that sounds great. But November, Alex is not going to be ready to read this book. <laughs> With the whole election day thing. Yeah. 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 No matter, we'll see. <laughs> no matter how that shakes out, November, yeah. Alex is not going to be ready to read this book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and so the the last line is a fast-paced political thriller that explores a dark history of U.S.-Russian relations. Hence the red part yeah. of Red Atlantic. Origins number one. Moving on to Boom. Yeah, so Origins is uh, it's going to be a six-issue limited series from Boom, uh, and it is written by uh, Clay McLeod Chapman, illustrated by Jacob uh, Rebelka. Um. And they've got some sample pages and, and previews of some of the interior art, and this just looks super, super beautiful. Um, it's billed for fans of Little Bird and Descender. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's a uh, kind of post-apocalyptic type where, you know, nature has taken back cities and that kind of thing. And essentially, um, humans have been killed off by artificial intelligence. But one human, David Adams, is brought back to life, um, and he is the person who created the AI that destroyed everything. So now with the help of an android, Chloe, who revived him, he's going to have to try and stop the AI overlords. Cool. Yeah, and save the world. Moving over to DC, the other history of the DC universe. We might have mentioned this one before. Uh, this is resolicited, but I don't. I don't know if we talked about it the first time it was solicited because it was right around the hiatus. This is written by John Ridley, uh, with art by Giuseppe Camoncoli and Andrea Cucci, and this is something a little different. It is a black yeah. mask book, but it is mostly prose with illustrations. Right. Um, and it is taking a uh, black, look. By the way, black label, not black mask. Damn it. I do it every time. <laughs> every time. Thank There's you. Point of order there. Yeah. No, I appreciate it because there is a publisher called Black Mask. Right. That was, yeah. It's like, which would be really odd for them to put out the other history of the DC Universe. This is taking a look at the mythology of the DC Universe uh, and how how that deals with socio-political issues looking at marginalized disenfranchised groups so each issue of this is basically going to be a deep dive into a different character uh there's a lot of research built into it uh the first issue uh looks at black lightning at jefferson pierce mm -hmm. uh before he becomes black lightning and subsequent issues will follow karen and mal duncan Yep. Uh, Tatsu Yamashiro, who is Katana, and Renee Montoya. Uh, it'll come out bi-monthly, so November, January, March, right. etc. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's something different. I think it's something that probably will be a very interesting, informative read. 
Yes. Um, which, when it comes out, I will feel uh, like the last person who should probably comment on what it's about. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. we're going to have another one of these from Marvel that's that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the best thing for us to do is like try to make people aware now and say, hey, this is going to be probably a really cool thing. Check it out. So. Yeah. And then we can talk about how pretty the art is. We can yeah. do that. um and now for something completely different punchline special number one (laughs) so yeah this is uh it it, this is a single issue one shot from tynan and and sam johns with art Um, by murka and dolfo yes that is essentially the the deep dive story of uh how alexis k becomes punchline yes so yeah we got a bit of her a bit of her origin kind of in um in the joker 80th anniversary one yeah. of those stories well and in in this week's batman there's yeah. kind of an allusion to like she spent a year looking for him and right. then what we saw in that that 80th anniversary issue happened so i'm guessing this fills in that year yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing th- this is going to be that whole deep dive into all the pieces we're missing so yeah. far, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, next up from DC, Sweet Tooth, The Return, number one. Have you read any Sweet Tooth, Brian? I have not. Um, I have the whole original series in hardcover. It is a goddamn delight. Um, I imagine part of the reason it is being revisited is because uh, Netflix, I think it was Netflix, it might have been Hulu, Netflix had ordered a pilot for a series from Robert Downey Jr.'s production company, and yes, Siri, I know, you think I said your name. Um, This past week, it was announced that it was picked up for a full series order. Mm. So, we're getting a TV show. Um, and we're getting some more comic. Uh, the, the, the original book, if you're not familiar with it, is about this, this boy named Gus who lives in this sort of post, uh, 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 wow, of all the words to forget right now. Apocalypse? No, um, what's the word for when a virus spreads? Pandemic, thank you. Post, yeah. Lives in this post-pandemic world. (laughs) Wow, Alex. Uh, I'm leaving all that in. Uh, yeah, like that's the word you forget right now. Come on, <laughs> where the children affected by this virus have taken on animal-like qualities. He has like deer features, antlers, um, and they're kind of shunned by society. They're seen as as carrying this plague, and it it at least starts out as the story of like him and this sort of gruff traveler character who sort of becomes father-like protective of a guardian of him um fucks up some along the way uh more will be good it's jeff lemire art is by jeff lemire um yeah over at image how about crossover some new donny cates jeff shaw yeah, so um, the, I I am super excited to have another Donny Cates independent book, um, and this is essentially the way it's presented as is uh, if everything that you thought was fantasy turned out to be real, like how fucking terrifying and scary is that? Yeah, like 
like because a first thought for most people like you and I, I think, is, wow, that would be so amazing. No, I've seen the end of Game of Thrones. Well, not just that, but like also like, yeah, no, wait. Think about what happens to everyday people in Superman and Batman comics. They get Jokerized and die? Yeah! Like, oh shit, this is fucking awful. No, I don't want to live in this world. Yeah. I mean, there's times I wonder how much better the real world is, but, you know, but no! It really is a toss-up right now. Um... Um... But so yeah, and so that's kind of what's. Ha- I love the cover of the the the, or the prime cover of this. Yeah, which is this person opening the cover to crossover, and like just all of this rainbow crazy shit is coming out and blasting him in the face. Like Kirby crackle, he's getting yes. Kirby crackled. Yes, he is. Oh, this is gonna be so good. Yeah, I, I yeah. There's some big Grant Morrison energy to this, and I am here for it. Uh, I can't wait. All right. Marvel time. Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, number and one blue. and two. So this is going to be by, um, this is actually by a combination of folks. It's Jerry Duggan. Uh, hey, uh, we've heard that name before. Uh, Declan Shalvey and Matthew Rosenberg, like all people that I am 100% behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, art is Adam Kubert, Declan Shalvey, and Joshua Kassara. Um, and this is kind of, a, I, I get the feeling this is going to be like three kind of tales ongoing. Yeah. That's the reason we have three offers, authors and three yeah. artists. So right? this is, this is an anthology book, very much yeah. like Batman Black and White or Harley yeah. Quinn Black and White and Red. Mm-hmm. Um, each issue, I don't think this will be digital first, uh, but each issue is three stories, three creative teams. Um... I know that Saladin Ahmed has said that he's got a story coming up in one of these issues. Okay. So I don't I don't even think it's going to do what a lot of these do, where like one of these stories repeats through all of them. I think it's straight up anthology. Right. Um. And the the first the first one is uh, essentially Logan Patch, Weapon X, and Wolverine. Right. And and it they're each going to kind of take a different kind of time period from his life and. Yeah. What's going on with him? Yeah, it's gonna be super good. Uh, it, from you sh- probably can get it from the uh, from the title that the it this is gonna be a black and white book with red accents. Yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I want it, <laughs> Brian. Tell me if this yeah. sounds like it might be up your alley. Hmm. Pretending that... for a moment that it wasn't on the list you sent me, as well as being on mine. Um, tagline: Never die. Never win. Written by Kieran Gillen. <laughs> Eternals number one. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't know a ton about the Eternals. Like they are, they are not in my wheelhouse of things that I that I know much about. So one really good reference point for Eternals mm-hmm. stuff. Without like, I mean, obviously read Eternals comics. Sure. But that Mark Wade history of the Marvel Universe that came out. Uh, was that earlier this year or last year? Who knows? What is time? Recently? Um, that actually does a really good job of explaining the Eternals and their role in sort of the cosmology of Marvel. Okay. That being said, like, it's, it, it's Kieran Gillen writing a big Marvel, like, 
cosmology type. Like, how am I not going to read this? I mean, the first line of the solicita- solicitation is, what's the point of an eternal battle? Yeah. I, I, I Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I just love it. Making it um, even and, sweeter, Asad Ribic is on art. Um, yeah, so there's there in, in the again in the in the Marvel previews issue, there's there's some internal panels mm-hmm. which are gorgeous, and then they have I, I don't know they're doing like eleven billion thirty thirty variant covers, some god awful number, right? Eleven billion. Um, that's the official eleven billion. I, you know what? I believe it. But they have a smattering of them, and I'm telling you what, like they're all they're all gorgeous. I'm yeah. like, well, shit, I'm not going to be able to... How the hell am I going to choose amongst these, right? Battle to the death. Oh, my God. It's just, yeah. 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 I mean, there's a Scotty Young, so that, that's probably high on the list. Yeah. Um, I, I, do definitely, lo- I do love my Scotty Young covers. I definitely, as I looked through, picked, like, the one that will be if I only get one. But I will probably get... Do you know which that three. one is? Yeah, I can I can tell you the other ones that are high on my list are the uh the Boss Logic cover, which just looks beautiful. And um I mean In Hyuk Lee's doing a cover, which I love their stuff, so I, I don't know how I'm not gonna at least take a look at that one. And then Jenny Frischen's doing a cover. Like Yeah, well and that's yeah, part of the problem is like the the <sighs> list I'm looking at has eight. The one that stood out to me is uh kind of a i guess it's probably a character variant i can't i cannot tell you just from looking at the image because i don't see a signature who the artist is but it's it's the character icarus in uh wow brain the da vinci sketch of the man of vitruvian man yes it's super log or i mean here's part of the problem like you Uh, mentioned jenny frisson uh, uh-huh. there's a variant cover by Jen Bartell that I haven't seen yep. yet anywhere. Um, uh, Russell Dodderman's doing one. Yeah. Right? I had to be curious about the Walt Simonson one. Yep. Um, like, yeah, the, like all of these are potentials because so many, so many beautiful, beautiful yeah. artists and like all of them that I have seen so far and I've seen like five or six of them all look gorgeous. I feel like the last Marvel book I saw this many variants on, and there may be others since. Yeah. But, like, was Star Wars number one when they got the Star Wars license back. Like, I feel like this book is going to end up being a big deal for them. Like, in terms of continuity, at least. Because there's also a movie coming up. Uh, Yeah, I am literally counting 38 that are listed here. Yeah. Like, wow. But that also doesn't count, like, you know some retailers are going to commission their own oh, variants. Yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. U.S. Agent, number one of five. So this made my list 100% because Christopher Priest is writing. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I probably should have added it because I'm going to get this just because, uh, like you, Christopher Priest. Yeah, and U.S. Agent is, there are very few characters who, like, I see them and I'm like, I don't want this clown. Yeah. Most like, characters I either like or fall into the sort of gray space of it depends on who's writing or who's drawing or who's who's right. working on this book, how they're used. US agent just like 
I think is 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 useful for social commentary. Uh but is a social commentary that like I personally like I get it, I'm good, I'm there, I I'm not the audience at this point. Right. But I feel like having Christopher Priest write that puts it back into a place where I'm interested in that commentary. <laughs> um and this is basically about what happens if US agent is stripped of his status as a government agent and now has to work as an independent contractor. And I think there's something interesting in putting him in that place where, like, I mean, basically what happens to someone who kind of needs the regulation if he's living in this even grayer deregulated space? Um, And what happens when, like, the system doesn't back him entirely? Right. I, I, I think there's something there that's that's really interesting given just kind of how how this character is sort of the shitty one who usually does the right thing at the end of the day but who is going to be an asshole the whole time and kind of only cares about himself most of the time sounds about right yeah by the way this is a five issue limited series so you're not committing to yes yeah um next up Marvel Voices, uh, Indigenous Voices number one, and a mm-hmm. reprint of the first Marvel Voices. Yeah, so if you're not aware, and this is the other one kind of like the uh, the other history of DC, where these are uh, stories that are by uh, mar- some marginalized or um, minority yeah. uh, influence groups. So the, and, the first Marvel Voices looked at right. black creators and black characters. This one is looking at indigenous creators and characters. Yeah, and and specifically by creators that are, like you know, in those fall into yeah. those groups. Um, and I, it just sounds fascinating to me. Um, and this is another one that I don't know how well will be, uh, you know, how how much we can comment on them, other than to say that you should check them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um I picked up the first Marvel Voices and I thought it was really solid. Um and I know I know that I'm less familiar with some of the the, the creators on this one because I think indigenous creators have even less representation in the comics industry right now. I I would agree. Um yeah. I think I saw Darcy Little Badger listed on the list who who you did? worked with Magdalene Vis- Magdalene Visaggio on mm-hmm. uh one of the one of the humanoids h1 books uh there are some great covers for this too though like i'm very um, excited for for i will i was gonna say and i will also point out that marvel as part of this month on quite a few books is doing a native american heritage uh variant covers Mm -hmm. for a bunch of books um and they all look uh they all look pretty cool as well all right Power pack number one of five. Brian's called shot from last month's solicitations. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 going to be a power pack mini series. I want it. Yep. Well, of course I do. Um, and this is uh, I, I, I'm assuming they're not labeling it as such in this uh, now, but I'm assuming this is still part of the the outlaw. Yeah, I think it's got kind of storyline. Yeah. So, um, you know. What happens when they're, you know, basically it's against the law for them to use their powers, but like shit's going on. How do they not use them? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. 
we're gonna rapid fire some more of these uh these are all gonna be things that we don't need to explain no a pair of tales from the multiverse uh books at dc batman flashpoint and batman hush yeah the the multiverse stuff are are cool fun one shots about kind of some au dark dark tellings and these are gonna be two more of them yep yeah we also have another pair of dark knights death metal tie-ins the universe who laughs and infinite hours extreme that's extreme extreme with three x's the three x's stand for lobo (laughs) the three x's stand for lobo who i'm assuming yeah yeah he's on the cover so i'm assuming he's yeah I was gonna say who I'm assuming is is played in this by the guy who played Triple X in those movies. <laughs> oh, Vin Diesel. There you go. Was that Vin Diesel? Yeah, Triple X. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm assuming Lobo is played by Vin Diesel. There you go. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, more fun. Dark Knights, death metal stuff. Come on. Yep. Uh, also at DC, Brian, you are shouting out four series that are definitely ending. And one that is at least seeing a creative team change. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out, because um, just kind of giving them a nod that because these are last issues, yeah. right? And also, if you happen to be a collector-type person, um, for some reason, last issues tend to be more valuable. It's because they end up getting fewer copies printed because so many people have dropped off. It could be. Could be. Uh, those issues are Aquaman number 65, which... We know Kelly Sue DeConnick is leaving. We don't know right. if this is the last issue of the series. Correct. Uh, Hawkman number 29, Suicide Squad number 11, Teen Titans number 47. Man, you hate to see them get so close to 50 and not. I know, right? Uh, and Young Justice number 20. Yeah. And I get the feeling that for some of these, uh, and I know this is true of, of Hellblazer, the the. Yep. Uh, no, Sandman I, yeah, universe. I did mention, I, I did mention Hellblazer. Yeah, um, like works. it and Suicide Squad, both kind of these were the planned ends of these books. They could have been picked up for more. At least I know Hellblazer could have. Right. Uh, Tom Taylor and the editor on Suicide Squad have both said they're making plans for these characters in other books. Um, Kelly Sue DeConnick has said that she actually has stayed on Aquaman longer than she ever planned. Um. So this is not exactly a surprising departure there. And I think some of these some of these books ending probably come out of just uh we have Dark Knight's death metal wrapping up soon. Yeah. That originally along with Generations, but now just kind of on its own, is sort of the thing that's supposed to reset the universe some and kind of give us give us something that's maybe a little more uh, 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 congealed than just rebirth and New Fifty Two alone. Like bring back in some some. We've seen a lot of like JSA era characters popping back up, Flash family members popping back up. So my guess is some of this is just a very light relaunch that maybe because of delays and hiatus haven't been announced as such. Yep, and I'm I'm part of it's yeah them just making room for some some yeah. new books. Like it's yeah. hard to believe there won't be a Teen Titans book. It's hard to believe that Bendis doesn't have more plans for Young Justice. Like I think we'll see more of each of those. I I do as well. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm you know it would be fascinating to me, and I, who knows, right? And it makes me wonder if this is kind of where he was thinking about going with uh, Wonder Comics, uh-huh. right? Which was kind of like the subline. Yeah, for, it was his for the Young Justice, right? 
what it makes me wonder if they were thinking of doing something kind of like uh the the, the mutant books at Marvel right now. Yeah. Where these are all more uh kind of tied together and it's kind of all of the young heroes of the DC universe. Yeah, I think I think there are probably going to be some plot points coming up in future books that yeah. will make this sort of pause and reset make more sense. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, um, right. Over at IDW, we mentioned the Zero issue for this last month, Lock and Key Sandman, Hell and Gone number one. Yeah, right. Out just, November. Yeah, just kind of pointing it out again, just because... And, Essentially to remind people that there is a number zero that is the month before. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we see the return of Seven to Eternity for its final arc with number yep. 14. Yeah, it's been gone for a while, so don't miss that this is coming back. Yep. It's a fantastic book. Oh my god, so good. And then we remain excited for Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords Destruction yeah, yeah. is out in Yeah, yeah it, it continues and I think wraps it up wraps in up in November. Yep. Yeah. All right, that is it uh, for solicitations. Next week, this week, that's right, we fixed that. This week's books. This, this week's, week's books. books to read. It's this week's books to read. Woohoo! Ice Cream Man presents Quarantine Comics Special Number One. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're not aware, the team behind Ice Cream Man has put out sort of weekly, I believe, mini comics. Um, over at least part of the shipping hiatus, this collects them in a big one-shot. Each one has different creative teams. Uh, and then we mentioned a minute ago Empire, Fallout, Fantastic Four, and uh, Aftermath Avengers. Are yep. both going to be out next week. Yeah. And then Brian, yeah. Dark Knight's Death Metal, Trinity Crisis number one. Yeah, so we get, we get, we get our, our uh, kind of one-shots that are, that are tying in with all the Dark Knight stuff. Yep. And this is... Uh, uh, Trinity is obviously, you know, it's the it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and what that relationship in the Dark Knights universe looks like. Yep, I think Death Metal universe. I think this is looking at it through the lens of three specific crisis storylines, yes. one for each yep. of them. Yeah, yep. Um, and that is it for. I mean, there's a lot coming out next week, but kind of number yeah. one style thing, right? Yeah. Um, a quick mention, I am going to plug something. Okay. Uh, I did for Dragon Con, as part of Dragon Con Goes Virtual, a panel for the comics and pop art track that you can find on their Facebook page. Just search Dragon Con Comics and Pop Art and it will come up. Uh, I interviewed Stefan Frank, who was one of the animators, I think the supervising animator on Iron Giant. Uh, worked on a couple of the first movies I actually remember seeing as a kid about independent comics publishing and his newest series, Palomino. Um, it was a one-on-one -on -one thing. I was really happy with how it turned out. Uh, I think we both were. So if you want to check that out, that's there. It's on Facebook. I think it's there's no cost to access it. Uh, and there's a bunch of virtual Dragon Con programming. Uh, yeah. that is comics related on their Facebook page. All right. Yeah. Uh, now for Very the cool. usual stuff. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Our website is panelologypodcast.com. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. 
Our merch is at bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital B, capital N. And our mailbag is at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, also capital P, capital N. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics. (laughs) 